Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. Who's ready for the Word of God? Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it brings, back, it bring, brings about change and transformation. I pray for everyone online. I pray for everyone in the room. Father, that we would receive a fresh touch from Jesus. No matter what's been happening in our week, in our world, Father God, that you speak to us for your might and for your power. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you can take a seat. Take a seat at home. As we do that, a big thank you to the worship team. We've been in this series, this, this is my last week of speaking in this series. Next week, my wife is going to conclude the series. Chantelle only speaks two or three times a year, so you don't want to miss that next Sunday. But our series verse, our series is called Alignment, and the series verse comes from James chapter 4, verse 8, which says, if you come close to God, that is the process, there is a promise, God will come close to you. Has anyone ever been in a car and it starts to shake? Okay, often it shakes because someone has used the car before, they've hit in a curb, they've hit in something solid, and their car has misaligned, and often cars that have been misaligned can end up in a hedge, can end up in a ditch, and they can even end up on a scrap heap. And our world suddenly hit a curb. 19 months ago, the curb was called COVID, and people Lives suddenly became misaligned. Their priorities, their values, their lifestyles changed. And COVID has been used by the enemy to misalign God's plan for our lives and God's plan for his church. But the word of God says no weapon formed against us will prosper. So week one, we looked at the alignment process. Week two, the alignment path. We talked about we're all on subconscious paths. It's not, it's not intention, it is direction that leads you to your destination in life. You can have all the intentions in the world, but ultimately it's the direction you are walking that will lead you into your destiny. Then Steve spoke a brilliant word on the alignment perspective, and then you had some dodgy theology from Dave Niblock last week. Um, who enjoyed Dave? Wasn't he fantastic? He's a fantastic guy. He's got a future. This week, I want to finish with the piece with the alignment prayer. The alignment prayer. We're going to read the most famous six verses in the whole of the scriptures. Written by King David right at the end of his life. It's a reflection of his battles, his giants, his mess-ups. It's almost his own eulogy. And it's my go-to prayer whenever I find my life misaligned. Who would agree from time to time we all get misaligned? We all end up in the hedge, in the ditch, and we all... But Psalm 23, which is the psalm we're going to read in a moment, is my go-to for realignment. It was written a thousand years before Christ's appearance on earth. So I'd love us uh, in our new culture to stand. We're going to read God's word together. like a wave in this room. It's like, come on, let's read this together. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. 
He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. You guys can take a seat. Now, this is a psalm which many of us know is in demand at funerals, but this is not a psalm about death. If anything, it's only got one line about death. It's a, it's a psalm about life. It's all about how the good shepherd wants to align our lives. It takes us on a journey through these six verses where a shepherd goes with his sheep, goes to mountains and to pastures and to rivers and to mountains and to valleys, and it comes face to face with danger. Then the shepherd brings the sheep safely home. And David compares a natural shepherd to our heavenly father, and he compares us to sheep. We go through mountain tops and valleys, some of the highs and the lows of life. Now, question, why would God compare us to sheep? Has he got a soft spot for the Welsh? I mean, what, what's, what is this all about? Now, the reason we're compared to sheep is because sheep are the most dependent creatures on earth. They wander off, they get lost, they fall off cliffs. In fact, sheep left to their own devices self-destruct. I think COVID has shown us that God chose the metaphor really well when he compared us to sheep. In other words, sheep are prone to misalignment. We are all prone to being misaligned from time to time. The reality is John needs a shepherd. Ricky needs a shepherd. Steve needs a shepherd. Panos needs a shepherd. We all need a shepherd. Sue, watching online. There's got to be a Sue, sweet Sue. We love you, sweet Sue. Psalm 23 is a very personal psalm. There is no references in Psalm 23 to we or us or them. All there is is me and my and I. It's personal. It's written for you. And this is David's own personal experience of life. He starts this, and we're just going to work through this this passage over the next 30 minutes. He starts off with these five words. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, here's the deal. In life, we all have a shepherd. And you get to choose who your shepherd is. We all have a shepherd. We all have someone leading and guiding us through life. For for many people, their career is their shepherd. So they're, they're doing well, and then suddenly... A job opportunity comes up or their their, their work sends them to a different city or a different country and suddenly their, their work is leading them in a different direction. That's why it's called a career path. For others, their football team could be their shepherd. 
I met a fan at the last game. They hadn't missed a game, home or away, for 30 years. 30 years. So if they're playing in Burnley on a cold Tuesday night, they're going to follow their team up to Burnley because their football club is their shepherd. For some, it's social media. What people read and what they learn and what they, they write on social media and who they follow, it leads their life. Some people, they literally their whole path in life has been determined by social media. For others, it's addictions. The craving for alcohol, the craving for drugs, the cravings for sex are so strong on a person's life, it's leading them, it's leading them down a path of crime, it's leading them down a path of misuse in a relationship. And for others, the shepherd is themselves. They just say, like Frank Sinatra, I'll do it my way. Oh. Unbelievable. This is why you've got to come back to the room for moments like that. They lead with their own ideas, their own opinions. A lot of people are going through life and they are their own shepherd. You've heard the phrase, I am my own worst enemy. That's because you are leading yourself. And David understands that there are many choices out there for who can be their shepherd. Can choose an addiction, can choose uh, social media. Well, probably not back then, but something similar. But he decides in that moment, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. Then he gives 17 reasons for his choice. Can I just share these really quickly? He gives 17 reasons why he chose the Lord to be his shepherd. By the way, there is a difference between the Lord and a savior. Everybody's, ha everybody's happy to meet a savior. If you're about to, 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 to fall off a cliff and someone comes and saves you, you're gonna be very grateful. We all want a savior, but there's a difference between calling God a savior and calling him Lord. Many people wanna call him savior. Many people get saved, but they don't want to call him Lord. Lord means lordship. It's giving someone rule and reign over your life. And David says, hey, it's not just enough. A savior is the starting point for a turn in your life. And some of you are like, some of you are going to get saved today. Some of you are going to get captured by God's love and God's grace. But that ain't enough because God wants to be your Lord and your savior. He says this. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, that is number one. That is my relationship. Then he says, I shall not want. He is my supply. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He is my rest. He leads me beside the still waters. He is my refreshment. He restores my soul. He is my healing. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. He is my guide for his namesake. He is my purpose. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is my teacher. I will fear no evil. He is my protector. You are with me. You are my friend. Your rod and your staff, they come comfort me. He is my discipline. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He is my hope. You anoint my head with oil. He is my anointing. My cup runneth over. He is my abundance. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. He is my blessing and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. He is my security all the days of my life. He is my future. 
So David is saying, he's saying, hey, if you choose me to be a shepherd, here's 17 benefits. But here's the deal. The 17 benefits are attached to one requirement. And this is the requirement. It's not on my terms. Before we go to all the blessings and the benefits, we have to agree terms. Has anyone ever signed anything without properly reading the terms and conditions? You're so quick to get your car insured. You didn't realize you don't get a courtesy car when that one... We've all done it. So before I talk to you about the benefits of being a follower of Jesus, there is just one condition. Jesus wants to be my shepherd. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, but Jesus Christ always wants to be your shepherd, but it's always on his terms, but it's always for your benefit. Always on his terms. So when you call Jesus Lord, you're saying, I submit my life to you. It's on your terms, but here's the thing. Because he's your father, it's always for your benefit. Now, humanity never likes anything totally on someone else's terms. We prefer a deal. Who likes doing a deal? Bit of Facebook marketplace, bit of wheeling and dealing. Hey, I'll give you 20, now I want 15. You know, you start negotiating. Because we like a deal, we like to trade off, we like to meet in the middle. You know, if my son, my son Justice Murray, who's six, if he had his way, he would eat Kinder Eggs for breakfast, he would eat salt and vinegar Pringles for lunch, and he would have plain spaghetti at dinner, and he'd probably be on his iPad more than he should. But his life is not on his terms, it's on our terms. Why? Because it's for his benefit. It's for his benefit. And when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, it's always on his terms, but it's always for your benefit. Then he says, he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. You've got to realize this shepherd's going to make you do some things you don't like. Two weeks ago, I was pretty ill. I woke up and I got got shaved, got showered and sat on my bed and got dressed. I just realized I was really sick. I was going to push myself, push myself and I couldn't even stand up. So I lay down and God goes, ha, see, who's in control? You just need to, by the way, he makes you lie down. If you won't lie down and rest, he will make you rest. And some of you, you're going so quick through life. If you don't take a break and if you don't chill out and if you don't relax, you will be forced to. And this shepherd would make us do some things at times we don't like doing, but it's always for our benefit. But I don't like being told what to do. Then choose another shepherd. Choose another shepherd because this, this shepherd wants you to go through life on his terms, but for your benefit. And the first instruction, isn't it interesting that the first instruction in this psalm wasn't to go and work, wasn't to, to face your enemies, wasn't to do any of those things. The first instruction in Psalm 23 is to rest. Rest. Everyone say rest. Rest and be still. God created you to rest. God created Adam on the sixth day. What was the first thing he did? 
rested. He didn't go to work. He rested. Some of you are working seven days a week and wondering why your life is so misaligned. Because you weren't created to work seven days a week. He says, he makes me lie down. 79 times in the book of Psalms, the word sailor is used. You ever seen that word sailor at the end of the psalm? It just means pause and be still. Every time I see that word in Psalms, it reminds me, rest, rest. You know, our bodies, our minds cannot function the way God created them if we don't rest. If we're going to stay aligned in our jobs, in our ministries, in our workplaces, in our charities, our organizations, we're going to live long lives. We've got to understand that the shepherd wants us to rest. And by the way, I'm not talking about putting Netflix on and eating Doritos all night. That might be a small part of your rest. Rest is resting in this book. Resting in God's promises. Going for a walk. Resting. Jesus constantly did three things. He advanced, he retreated, he rested. Throughout the Gospels, he advanced, he retreated, he rested. He advanced, he retreated, he rested. He advanced, he retreated, he rested. How are we going to get through this life? We've got to keep moving forward. That's why as a church through COVID, we're, going to, we're not going to stop. The word for the year is we're advancing. We are not pulling back. But there are times we've got to retreat and, into a solitude, into a place, and rest. Our shepherd knows we need rest. Seven times Jesus took a retreat in three years. Seven times in scriptures. Seven retreats. Learn how to relax and rest like Jesus. Then he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. David uses this metaphor of a valley to describe some of the difficult moments of life. The truth is, most of our lives are not lived on mountaintops, which is the good times. The truth of of our lives is most of our experiences are based in valleys. Who would agree? I mean, we all have mountaintop moments. The moment maybe you passed your driving test, maybe you graduated, your exam results, maybe the moment you got married. For Chantelle, it was the day I agreed to date her. It was a big moment for her. I'll pay for that later. We're having a disco in here. I'm not sure what's happening. Be still. The reality is heaven is going to be a continuous mountain top moment. Okay? But life on earth is full of valleys. The question is not will valleys happen. The question is when will valleys happen? Because valleys come. In this scripture, we go from green pastures to a valley of the shadow of death. How on earth do we go from green pastures when we're resting to suddenly life is under threat? You know, life can be like that, can't it? You can just be plain sailing through life and the phone rings. Someone puts something up on social media. Someone does something. Suddenly, you've been on the mountain and you find yourself in a valley. If you're writing notes, write this down. Valleys escape no one. Valleys escape no one. If your whole life goal is to earn more money because you'll have less problems, you need to rethink your strategy. You need to rethink your strategy because 
Bad things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people, good things happen to good people, and good things happen to bad people. It's called life. Psalm 34, David says this, he says, A righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. What does that tell me? No one is going to sail through life. One of the things I say when I do the Lord, when I... uh, give people an opportunity to find Jesus, you'll have heard me say it many times, is just because you become a Christian doesn't mean to say you're not going to have problems. We're going to have valleys. Valleys are unpredictable. Who knows you can't plan your valleys? Who'd like to plan your valleys? I think Thursday nights would be a good time for valleys. To get them out of the way before weekend, work on them on a Friday, have your weekends clear. But you know, valleys don't come like that. Do you know when my valleys come? Just before I get up to preach. Because when does the enemy want to attack Chantal and I? Just before we bring the word to bring hope to our city. So what does the enemy do? He plans his attacks. You've got to be aware as you step out into that promotion, as you step out into that new season, don't, uh, don't be, uh, don't be uh, what's the word? Taken back. If suddenly your world starts falling apart and suddenly there's valleys appear, it's because the enemy can see that you are advancing. And he says, though I walk through the valley, through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Online church, two of the most important words in the whole of scripture appear right here. Two words. Number one is through, and number two is you. This word is critical here. Yea, though I walk through, through. The valley, write this down, the valley is temporary. You won't stay there. You will not live the entirety of your life in the valley. There is a promise here in Scripture that says you will walk through. You will not stop. You will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Winston Churchill said, great men are ordinary men who just won't give up. And some of you, you've given up and you've just got to get up. You've got to find some strength to face tomorrow and say, I'm going to come through. I've got a fresh determination. There's been attacks on my marriage, attacks on my relationships, attacks on my business, but I'm going to keep going. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, someone's got to get some fresh grit and determination again to say, I'm coming through on the other side. Keep coming through, single parents. You're doing incredible. To that dad on minimum wage who's fighting to put food on the table, just keep moving forward. To that addict who says, I want to give up, but I can't give up. Try again. Believe God again. you got to keep coming through. The second promise is personal. I love it. It says you. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. God is saying today, You might not be able to see me physically, but I am here. I'm here in your office. I'm here in the boardroom. I'm here in the van on the way to work. I am here. You can't see electricity, but you can feel and see the effects of electricity. You see, when you have a fresh revelation, your father is with you. It changes everything. Our son's had a few bad dreams over the last few weeks about bumblebees. He thinks bumblebees are in his bed. I mean, you're all laughing, but that's a very real dream for a six-year-old who wakes up at three o'clock in the morning, he has a buzz in his head and he thinks it's a bumblebee. So we, 
we, we go up and, and sell him. But the, the moment he knows that mummy or daddy is beside him, why? Because you are with me. The valley of the shadow of death. You know, this psalm gets misread or misinterpreted because we read or hear the valley of death. It is not the valley of death. It is the valley of the shadow of death. You know, there's a big difference between being run over by a car and being hit by the shadow of a car. One will scare you and the other could kill you. Now, I'm not going to downplay COVID at all because it has taken many, many thousands, hundreds of thousands of lives worldwide. We've also been hit by the shadow of COVID. There's a shadow that's lingering in our lives, a shadow of fear. And shadows might frighten us, but they cannot harm us. And a shadow is simply an image without a substance. And fear is an image without a substance. And some of you are going through the valley of the shadow right now. It's the valley of the shadow of depression. It's the valley of the shadow of discouragement. It's the valley of the shadow of COVID. It's the the shadows all over our earth right now. now. But here's the good news. To have a shadow, you have to have light. Wherever there is a shadow on the road, in a room, there has to be light. What does that tell me? You are with me. Whenever you feel the fierce shadow coming on your family, on your business, on your mental health, you've got to remember, if there is a shadow on your life, it means there is light close by. And he promises that he will be with us through, and he will be with us every moment. You and through. Keep your eyes on the light. Some of you have had your eyes on the darkness, on all the facts, on all the figures, and God is saying, I want you to lift up your eyes unto the hills. That's where your help comes from. Your help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And some of you need to come out from amongst the shadows today into the light. And he says, you prepare a table before me. In the Bible, a banquet always represents one thing community. Whenever there's a banquet, there's always people gathering for community. The enemies wanted to divide community, especially in churches right now. But God wants to hang out with us. One of the most amazing things about God, about the shepherd, is that he made me. He knows all of my imperfections. He knows all of my failures. He knows all of my shortcomings. He knows what happened when I was a young man, an old man. He knows every part of my life, yet he still wants to hang out with me. Do you know all of us, without exception in this room, have lost friends on life's journey? We all have. Because they got so close to us and they realized there was things in our lives that they didn't want to be part of, so they left us. You might say, oh, I didn't. Yeah, you did. You lost friends. We all did. Do you know Jesus, he's been closer than any natural friend, yet he still prepares a table before me for a banquet. He still wants to hang out with me. Even though he knows all about me, God still wants to be my friend. Wow. You know what happens when I read that? I align myself again. Because this is what COVID's done to the world. Divided them. 
And I remember that God wants to hang out with me and he loves me and he sees all my messes, my imperfections, my failures, my faults. And it comes back in the center. Some of you, you've been off center. You're trying to fix yourself. You can't fix yourself. You've just got to draw close to God's love again. He's prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Why do we have people over our homes? Why do we have people out for dinner? Why do we go out for dinner with people? Because we want to strengthen relationships. That's the only reason you do it. And the reality is that God loves you. He wants to hang out with you because he wants to strengthen your relationship. And God wants to do that all the time, but he especially wants to do that when you're in the valley. Some of you, you've been in the valley for too long and some of you are gonna come out today. I felt, especially for this service, some of you have been in the valley for far too long. It's time to come out. There's light, there's light in the tunnel. There's light today. And we need each other. We need each other for the banquet. We need to be in a group. If you're not in a group, can I encourage you to be part of a small group in this church? Verse six says in this final, we're gonna bring this down to a conclusion. Maybe, do you wanna pop up? So surely goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy shall follow me. All the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. There has never been a second of your life from the day you were born to this day where God's goodness has not been watching over you. You might not have felt it, you might not have even believed it, but God's never taken his eye off you. God's goodness is watching over me. God's so big, you know, he can pay 100% of his attention to you and 100% of his attention to the other 7.5 billion people on this planet Earth. God's thinking about you right now. God knows every detail of our lives. He knows the number of hairs on our heads. He knows our secret habits. He knows every thought we've ever had. He knows every motive, the good ones, the bad ones, the ugly ones. God knows where you're gonna be in 10 years. God knows who you're gonna marry. God knows every part of your life. You can't hide anything from God. Why? Because his goodness is watching over us. But it doesn't stop there. God's mercy is working in us. Surely goodness and mercy should follow me all the days of my life. What is mercy? Mercy is simply when God gives me what I don't deserve. It's two things that God will continually do in your life if you choose him to be your shepherd. Two things. He wants to give you and forgive you. Give you, forgive you. Give you, forgive you. Give you, forgive you. Give you, forgive you. God will never stop giving towards his children. What parent would ever stop giving his kids food or protection or a ride to work or school? Even when they're little tinkers, even when they drive us crazy. What parent would ever stop giving to their child? And even though it hurts, sometimes we keep forgiving as well. That's exactly the picture of God. God keeps giving, God keeps forgiving. God keeps giving, God keeps forgiving. God keeps giving and God keeps forgiving. Come on, some of you need to hear this. I want you to wake up with this in your head. God is giving to me today. God is forgiving me today. God's mercy is following every moment of my life. Hebrews 4, 16 says, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Look at this. There we will receive his mercy. 
and find grace to help when we need it. God never gets tired of forgiving you. You know, when I think of goodness and mercy following me, again, I think of my kids, and I know for parents or grandparents, you think of your kids. Because sometimes you wake up to a clean house if you manage to get it tidy the night before, and they get up, and the first thing they do is make a mess, then they, they produce a spillage, and then they break something. Parents, have you ever found yourself just behind your kids all day? And you get to the end of the day and you say, what have I accomplished today? Literally, the house is, and then it all starts again tomorrow. You have no idea how many messes in life God's goodness and his mercy has cleaned up behind us. No idea. Because I don't know about you, but my life has just been a series of messes. Because I'm human. Messed up that relationship, got that wrong, upset that person. And I turn around God's goodness and his mercy is following me. And some of you, you need to get a fresh revelation that however far you've come and however you've messed up and whatever's happened in the past and whatever addiction has happened, whatever's happened in that marriage, in that relationship, you can't shake off God's goodness and his mercy. If you've chosen Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior, his mercy and his goodness will continue to pursue you all the days of your life. You cannot outrun His grace and His mercy. Look over your shoulder today because goodness and mercy are pursuing you. The enemy wants to tell you that shame and guilt are pursuing you, but that's not who God is. The Bible says, forget the shame of your youth. God has picked up, He's picked up more messes in my life than I could ever imagine. He's like this continually, another mess, another mess, another mess. And he just keeps going and he keeps going because his grace is everlasting. And this psalm builds to a crescendo and it finishes with this amazing declaration of our future. He says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Look at this. God's goodness is watching over me. God's mercy is working in me and God's glory is waiting for me. Wow. His grace is in me. His goodness is behind me, but His glory is waiting for me. You ever watched a movie with a terrible ending? Like, why did I stay up and watch that? Titanic, classic example. We all knew what was going to happen. We sat up and watched that for three hours. And this psalm, like a movie, has had its moments. It's had some ups, it's had some downs. It's been through some valleys, it's been face to face with evil. And now it's on the, the journey home, but it leaves us with hope. The number one fear that humanity faces is this, it's death. It's why COVID has been such a big thing for our world because the reality is most people don't wanna even think about what happens next. And right at the close of the psalm, this is why it's such an incredible psalm of realignment. David says, I've given you hope for this life. I've given you hope in your valleys. I've given you hope with your enemies. I've given you hope for all these things. But I wanna give you one last thing and it's the most important, it's the most critical part of the story. He says, death is not the end. Death is only a transition. 
In fact, the shepherd saves his best to last in this psalm. Now I want you to see this because there's one word. The word is and. And the word and in this psalm connects the present and the future. So he goes through the whole five verses and then he says this. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's saying, hey, all of up until now is all that's going to happen on earth. But the final part, I'm not going to leave you hanging. You're going to dwell. If you choose Jesus to be your Lord and to be your shepherd and your saviour, I've got a guarantee this earth is just temporary, but you can spend eternity with Jesus. Life on earth does not have to be the end. I want to just talk about heaven for one minute. Is that okay? Because we all have to spend eternity somewhere. As a church, I'm sorry if this shocks you, but we believe in heaven and we believe in hell. And hell is not just absence from God, it's a whole lot more. And we all get to choose where we spend eternity. No one wants to talk about it, but no one's ever escaped or dodged death. Because it's real. But God wants you to enjoy the fullness of God's glory, which is heaven. No more pain, no more sickness, no more homelessness. No more sadness, no more COVID, no more mental health, no more cancer, no more disappointment, no more discouragement, no more exams. No more pressure at work. I want you to think about right now the most amazing place on planet Earth that you've been to. Think about it. North Walsham. No, I don't know where the most amazing, but wherever you visit, maybe you've been to the Seychelles or maybe you've been to the Bahamas. We've been to Roxham, I don't know. But wherever you've been, I want you to multiply that times a thousand. And that's just a small part, a small part of what God has gone to prepare. It says he's gone to prepare a place for you and for me. No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, No human mind can comprehend the things, look at this, that God is preparing. God is preparing. God's not building a one-bed semi for you in heaven. God is building something for you to enjoy eternity. Earth is not our home. It's so easy to live like this is our home. This is not our home. We've got to have a bigger perspective that God is preparing something for us in heaven. For our citizenship, Paul says, is not For our citizenship is not on earth, it's in heaven. And we eagerly await the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not a funeral psalm. This is a psalm for people like me and you who every day say, I blew it. I got it wrong. I messed up. This is, I lost my prop. This is for people who say, I got it wrong again. I'm out of alignment. She begins to say that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. 
He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through some of life's difficulties, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare us the table before me in the presence of my enemy. Surely love and mercy and peace and kindness will follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in God's house forever and ever. And suddenly some of the pressures and the pains and the disappointment, suddenly I'm back, I'm back in the driving seat. I can make it through the day. I can make it through the exam. I can make it through the divorce. I can make it through with my family. I can make it because you're realigned. I need four people, five people really quickly, really quickly. I've got an illustration. We're out of time. I want to show you how this works. This is Sam. I know it's hard to believe, but he's our shepherd for today. There we go. He's our Irish shepherd. This is Mark, okay? Mark has really struggled. By the way, all this is metaphoric. Mark is really struggling. Disappointment, he's had suicidal thoughts. Life is in absolute dire straits. He's made a decision to choose the Lord and Savior to be his shepherd. So I want you just to stand there, Mark. This is Matt. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He's beside me. The presence of God is beside you. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me. He's beside me. And goodness and mercy is following me. Right up behind. And this is a picture of what happens when you choose Jesus to be your shepherd. You've got someone leading your life. You've got someone around you, beside you, and you've got someone behind you. So even when, even when he tries to move forward and the shepherd says, you're not ready for that job. You're trying to move, but I'm not trying to move. I'm gonna close a few doors in your life. I don't want you to marry that person and you're forcing it and forcing it and forcing it. But the shepherd says, no, you, you made me the shepherd. And so the shepherd come and he said, no, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. You're trying to get a job, you're trying to get a promotion, you're just not ready for it. And then the shepherd says, it's time. He begins to walk, begins to come up. But in the middle of it, begins to feel fearful with the new job, begins to feel fearful. He can't, begins to squat down, begins to get, and right, it comes up beside him. But goodness and mercy and blessing keeps him up and holds on to him. And then he makes some mistakes. And he thinks he's going to fall out of God's love and fall out of His grace. And he keeps falling down. But goodness and mercy, remember what we don't deserve, is coming up behind him and keeping him up. And this is a picture of what happens when you choose Jesus to be your shepherd. You are surrounded. You are surrounded. He is in front of you. He is beside you. And He is behind you. all on His terms, but all for your benefit. I don't know about you, but there is no other way to walk through this life than this way. I don't want alcohol leading me. I'm sick of the mess that alcohol is destroying people's lives. Talk to someone. If you can't go out to sleep without drinking some alcohol, if you can't come in at night without drinking a gin, talk to someone. It is damaging families. It is creating addicts like you've never seen before. Speak up. Speak up. 
I want Jesus to lead me. I want him to be honest with me and say, John, that's not good for you. I'm just going to stand still. He's beside me. He's beside me in the valley. He's beside me in the presence of my enemies. He's beside me. He won't let me go. Even when I want to fall and give up, when I have dark thoughts, comes up beside me and he lifts me. And then I want to turn around and run. But I can't. God's love and his goodness and his mercy. I'm surrounded. That's how we choose to lead and go through life. Give these guys a hand. Come on, would you stand? We're going to sing this song, Surely Love and Mercy. We'll just go into the chorus. Let's lift our hands. Let's begin to worship. Started this conversation today with the question, who is our shepherd? And Jesus, he will not control your life. He's, he's a God of free choice. You get to choose who your shepherd is. An addiction, a friend, a football team, you get to choose who leads you through life. I hope today I've done a, some kind of job of informing you what happens if you choose Jesus to be a shepherd. Let's be honest, from time to time, we all choose our shepherds. That's what happens when we misalign. We allow someone else to be the driver in our seat. Today, we can realign. But the reality is, is God's goodness and God's grace and God's glory is not waiting for everybody. You've got to choose. You've got to choose who is your shepherd. Because the 17 benefits in this, in this passage are connected to those who choose Jesus, the Lord, to be your shepherd. You can't lead yourself and expect those benefits. It doesn't work like that. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. And for those who choose Jesus to be the shepherd, there are benefits. So the question is, who is running your life? Who is in control? Is it you? Is it social media? Is it You choose. But today I want to give you the choice to publicly respond inviting Jesus to be the Lord and the Savior of your life. He'll be with you in the valleys. He'll be with you when those shadows come. He'll be with you every part of it. He promises to never leave us or forsake us. When we feel misaligned, He promises to come up beside us, be in front of us, be behind us. They're the promises attached to choosing the Lord as your shepherd. And I'd love to pray for you, for those watching online in your kitchen, in your car, those listening on the podcast, who, wherever you are today, this prayer is for you. You can realign. You can accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior today. He loves you, friend, but He wants relationship. So I'm simply going to count to three. And if you say, John, that's me. There's been so other, other shepherds in my life and leading myself. But today, I want, I want to put you in the driving seat. I don't want to do life on my own. I'm going to pray for you, but before I do that, I'd love to know who I'm praying for. Just with everyone's eyes closed, I'm simply going to count to three. You say, John, that's me. Maybe you once walked with God, but things have misaligned your life. and Today you want to realign and come back and choose, choose the Lord to be your Savior once more. When I simply get to three, just, just put up your hand and say, John, that's me. Include me in that prayer. One, he loves you, friend. Two, have the courage right now 
to respond to his love. Three, just shoot up your hand nice and high. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. God bless you, sir, good on you. God bless you, amazing. Online, let us know in the chat. If you're watching online, just write, I have decided in this moment. Our team are on hand to pray for you and support you in this, in this decision, on this journey. So come on, let's say this prayer out loud. Dear Father, I thank you today that I choose you to be my shepherd. Right now, I invite you into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a brand new start from this day forward. Amen. Amen. Would you put your hands together and thank everyone who said the prayer online in the room. And if you said that prayer, we want to stay in touch. And if you're online, you can download the digital Bible. If you haven't done that yet, it's a, it's a great way just to stay in touch. There's some great devotions on there as well. And if you are in the room, we want to give you a gift. It's a Bible. And uh, this is your first step. This is your first step to inviting Jesus to be the shepherd of your life. And our team will be outside afterwards. And so, hey, please let them know. So I said that prayer. Maybe you didn't have to lift up your hand, but you said something, something shifted inside of you. Say, today's a new day. That's amazing. Fantastic. Who remembers the day when they asked Jesus to be their shepherd? Who would say that was the best decision they've ever made of their lives? Come on, let's just, I just want to encourage you in that decision because some of the people have made that decision today and they're thinking, oh, have I made the right decision? But Now, I need to give you some homework. Is that okay? My teacher's in the room. She used to give me homework. I'm now going to give her some homework. This is your homework. I know for many of you, this is a difficult season. But this is the prayer of realignment. And what I want us to do this week is the very first thing before we jump into the shower, before we jump into work, before we jump onto the kids' school run, I want you to read that psalm in the morning. The very first thing. It'll take you about 40 seconds of your day. And your sleep might have been misaligned. You might have so many thoughts running through your head for the day. But I just want you to do this. The Lord... Remind him again, he's your shepherd. And remind yourself of his benefits towards you. And I want you to do one more thing, second part of your homework. I simply just want you to leave. If you have a Bible, if you don't have a Bible, let us know. We'll give you a Bible. But leave your Bible open beside your bed to Psalm 23. And if you feel anxious in the night, if you're struggling to sleep, if whatever's going on, I want, I want you just to... In the night, just pick up your Bible and just begin to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shan't want. I bet you can't even get through it before you fall back to sleep again. This is an open invitation. Don't close your Bible. It's an open invitation. Keep it open beside your bed. I think this week, if we do that, who's going to commit to do that? First thing. First thing in the morning, keep it open beside your bed. And all those fears and those worries and those anxious thoughts, I'm believing God's going to take care of them as we realign it once more. He's your shepherd. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope to see you again soon. God bless.